Christy was scared to death to even mention she worked for Envoy. We're going to find out why on this podcast episode. Okay, welcome to Taking Off Podcast. I'm Dan Milliken. I've got Christy on the phone. Christy, say hi. Hi. What did you think of that hook? <laughs> I was I just I was laughing. I was trying to stay quiet because I didn't want it to come over, but I can't believe I get the dramatic music. Yeah, you get the dramatic okay. music for the podcast. And uh yeah, so you know, we're not talking about an accident or anything today. Um, we're not rehashing uh, from our In the Hangar series. We're going to talk about your reticence to mention Envoy on the air and the background and backstory for that because we have just released a the first video of a new series called Pilot Life, in which you take us to work with you every day. So um, let's start with your reticence. Why could you not talk about Envoy on the Taking Off YouTube channel? Well, it wasn't that I couldn't talk about Envoy. I was afraid to talk about Envoy because you put yourself out there, and now people got fodder to use against you, I guess. Yeah, and, and people, I did not. And people lose their jobs for Facebook posts, let alone YouTube videos. Right. I didn't want to say anything that could come across as negative. I don't have anything really negative to say about Envoy, but I didn't want anything to be misconstrued or taken as negative. And as you and I both know, perception is always 100% of the rule. It right. doesn't matter what your intention is. It's all about optics these days. What does it look like? Exactly. Not what is it, but what does it look like? Okay, well, let's go back yeah. in time. I remember one of the first in the hangers, it was either season one or season two, so it was early, not one of the first, but early on. You hosted an episode in which you were unsure of where you were going to go. You had just gotten your commercial pilot's license. You were thinking about... Uh, switching your career um, from, you know, the allergy uh, in, uh, industry over to aviation, but you weren't sure of a, of a path. And so you interviewed some different people about that. So go back in time to what you were thinking back then. Were you really kind of deep down knowing that you were going to head 121? Or were you seriously considering, you know, part 135? Take us through that. Okay. I knew I wanted to go to the airlines. That was something I, I just, I grew up when I was young and wanted to be a pilot. It was always that vision of being an airline pilot. But along the way, I got to experience the corporate side um, and the instructor side, of course, while time building. I had some people along the way when I was flying corporate that um, really tried to dissuade me from wanting to go to the airlines. And so they were showing me kind of what the corporate side was. But why, in the long why, run, why were they, I knew... Why were they wanting to dissuade you from 121? Honestly, because it's human nature to impose your value system on other people. That's why <laughs> you'll notice that when I talk about the airlines versus corporate, I always start out by saying, now this is my value system. 
I, these are the reasons why I chose to go to the airlines. You, you know, your mileage may vary, but we are a, we're basically as humans, we're just a product of our experiences. And my experiences told me I wanted to go to the airlines, but your experiences might be different. You might want to go corporate. And the, the people that would tell me they had a negative experiences with the airlines or maybe had tried to go to the airlines and couldn't, but they found their way through corporate. And so now they just want to impose their value system on me. You know, I've had people that um, really cared about me and they wanted me to go like cargo, you know, that was their value system. And so it was really great though, because it just shows you that people really do care, but they want you to like what they like. You know, it's human nature. It's that connection that we all want with everybody. And I knew that eventually I wanted to be 121, but along the time building route, it was, how do I get there? And I had some really good experiences early on. Um, you know, Travis J, we had him on, um, yeah, I, very, I think first very first episode. Yeah, exactly. And, um, he actually gave me some really great opportunities. I got to fly a citation with him for a while. And um, I had some other opportunities come up. I flew another citation for a long time out of Denton with somebody else. And it was just getting my foot in the door. And honestly, those were really great experiences. And I don't want to say that they confused me, but they showed me the opportunity of what being a corporate pilot really could be. What I came to learn though is that Corporate is very different from one gig to the next. Um, it's not really standardized. And those unicorn corporate jobs out there do exist, but they're unicorn corporate jobs. And again, my value system said I wanted a little bit more stability than what the uh, corporate side had to offer me. The in-between, of course, is going part 135, which is, you're corporate, but you're, you're like unscheduled, like sort of scheduled. And so I actually interviewed for a part 135 and I had to make a decision. Was I going to go 135 or was I going to go 121? And ultimately I decided to go 121. Cause that's, that's where I knew I wanted to be anyway. And I had some really great friends that helped me determine that along the way. So, and that's yeah. why I decided to go to Envoy. And then you know, it's funny, you shared with me a memory on Facebook five years ago. So five years ago, when we first started doing this, it was a different world as far as the regionals. Um, oh, man. But five years ago, you go to the regionals and you're still making, you know, below minimum wage kind of thing almost. You know, you, you almost. do all this flight That's training why, and, and you go in for $30,000 job. Um, yeah. And now, and within that, and so you knew going into it that you had to suffer, pay your dues at the regional level before, you know, trying to make it big with one of the majors. And then you can finally start s stacking the fat cash or whatever. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you, at the majors, you typically start out at a higher pay rate, but the, it's not about where you start. It's about where you end up. And at the legacies, at the you know majors, the big airlines um, like American, United, and Delta, your capacity for growth in in like twenty years is like huge. You know, we're talking two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, versus at the regionals, 
yeah, five years ago when I first, you know, was like getting into it and I was like, oh, what should I do? I mean, we were making, like you said, like $30,000 a year. And so to go from that to where the regionals are now, where they're starting people off at like $90,000 a year and bonuses on top of that. I mean, it's a completely different world, but I yeah. went into it knowing that I was going to make $30,000 a year. I was going from, you know, I, I, as a CFI, I was making like 25,000 a year. So I went from LRD, which was six figures to CFI slash corporate pilot, making a lot less to being a regional pilot. That just lets you know how much I wanted to fly. Yeah. I was willing to take that well, and, massive pay cut. And the pleasant surprise for you was that as you got into this, at the you, you rode this wave of pilot shortage where all of a sudden pilots were being paid a lot more. And so you've been able to get back pretty close to your allergy wage, right? Pretty, you know, within the first year oh, or two. Oh, I'm making more. Yeah. Right now, as of, as of right now, as a year three envoy pilot, as a year three envoy FO, I am now making more money than I was making in allergy. I have, I have surpassed that. For a regional as a airline. First officer for a regional airline. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so. But I, I do have to say, though, this, so this industry is cyclical, number one. Yeah. Number two, um, there's a few things that we have to thank for where we're at now as regional pilots. So the first thing is the 1,500-hour rule, you know, that they put it put into place back in 2013. Because of Colgan. When I was, right, when I was time building, you know, myself and others would look at the 1,500-hour rule and we're like, oh, this is stupid, you know, why do we have to get 1,500 hours? But honestly, that's one of the things that has made us a commodity now. You know, the airlines want us and they need us, but it takes time and money and not everybody can get there. And so that's what kind of makes us, we're no longer a dime a dozen. You know, 10, 15 years ago, pilots could walk in the front door with a fresh multi-engine commercial ticket at 250 hours and they could apply. That doesn't mean that they would get hired because like that in essence was a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. It was, but but that's the first thing. The second thing that's made us, I guess, you know, a commodity has been, um, you know, the pandemic and the furloughs that came out of that. The furlough, of course, was bittersweet for me because I was a furlough. But then, like, the airline started panic recalling people, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, like, travel has come back in droves. I mean, I remember when we were furloughed, a month before they started recalling, we were literally getting told by our union that, hey, guys, just have a second, you know, have a plan B in, in place, you know, have a backup plan in place. We may not get anybody recalled until September, October of 2021. And so, I mean, we're talking, we were, we had this phone call with our union back in March of 21. And it was like, okay. And then all of a sudden April came. And the company was like sending out emails to the to the furloughs saying, "Hey, you're getting recalled. You're getting recalled." Well, and and it was an interesting situation because, you know, in leading up to the pandemic, pre-pandemic, there was a pilot shortage. So what happened yeah. with the pandemic is all these planes got parked in the desert, and there was nothing happening for several months, and the airlines then uh, tried really hard to 
first of all, not furlough anybody. I, I think about Southwest Airlines. They they took pride in that they didn't have to furlough anybody, but they they really enticed a lot of pilots to early retire uh, and yeah. and move along. And so then you have the furlough pilots. You have those that they they cut and enticed to leave. And then all of a sudden, as you say, March, April of 2021, um, the airline traffic came back and almost to pre-pandemic levels right away. And like the, overnight. Yeah, yeah. And the pilot shortage of pre-pandemic was now a massive pilot shortage post-pandemic. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it really is. And, and the thing is, is that people want to lay the blame on the airlines for not having the foresight or anything. It's like, guys, like we couldn't have seen this coming. Yeah. You and I as individuals definitely didn't see it coming. The airlines didn't see it. Honestly, I get where they were coming from when they furloughed. I get right. where they were coming from when they offered, you know, those early, um, retirement. early retirement packages or the long-term leave of absences. That was another thing they did as well. Some airlines offered zero timelines for a period. I understand in order to keep the airline afloat, you have to sacrifice a few to save the many. And that's what they did. But they just weren't prepared. Nobody was prepared for the workforce to come back the way that it did. So now we're in a position where they're like, oh my God, like now we really, really, really need you guys. It, the yeah. pandemic exacerbated the already looming pilot shortage in essence. And so that that's really what helped, I guess, me in that five years. We went from, okay, pilot shortage, here's some pay raises. But, oh, my God, we need you guys now. And here's we a really bunch of money to keep so you in. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, Which and honestly is great for me. I'm getting paid more for the same job. So. Well, well, what's amazing is that also that – y- you correct me if I'm wrong, you can look at, at possibly even staying at a regional and having a nice career. I know a bunch of people that have decided to do that. So at Envoy and uh, other wholly owned airlines, uh, PSA, Piedmont, and Envoy are wholly owned airlines of American Airlines. We have a guaranteed flow to American. It's seniority-based. It means that basically they take a, a set number of pilots you know, um, who are in seniority order, basically. They literally reach out, they, you know, send an email to these pilots, hey guys, you're up next. Do you want to go or not? And I know several pilots who have elected not to flow. Mm-hmm. They have decided to stay at Envoy because they their line check airmen or their captains with lots of seniority, they're getting paid well now. You gotta remember, the regionals 20 years ago, 15, you know, 10, 15, Five 20 years, years ago, people were... Well, I'm talking about before, like when people were clamoring to get out of the regionals. That's because the pay wasn't there. You're making twenty, maybe thirty thousand dollars a year. A lot of the regionals were flying turboprops. You know, you wanted to get up to where the jets were and get paid the jet pilot money. I remember here. I mean, I've heard stories about twenty five years ago. This year is when Envoy brought the first jet in the service which was, and they were American Eagle back then, but they brought the Embraer 145. And there are micro-captains that I've talked to that told me how revolutionary that was. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we're a regional, we're American Eagle, and we've got jets? Heck yeah. And now, flash forward to today, 
there's no props. It's in all American. jets. Yeah. Yeah. It's all jets. They're all jets now. And so, you know, I, I, one captain in particular named Glenn, um, he's been such a, I mean, he's a lifer at Envoy. And I, I always ask the lifers, why did you stay? You know, I'm, I'm always curious. And it was always a, a turn of events. You know, he was supposed to flow to American right, right after 9-11, basically. Oh, he wow. had like a seniority number and everything at American. 9-11 changed everything. We talked about that cyclical thing, right? Mm-hmm. 9-11 changed everything. And he wound up, air quotes, getting stuck at Eagle. But they had jets, you know, and then by the time it, like, it started coming back and he was getting ready to flow again, his wife was pregnant with their son and he elected to stay so because he had the seniority to get the lines that he wanted he was based in you know lived in base and everything else like he didn't want to go and so that's why he decided to stay and i hear the story over and over and over again and now he's happy he's mm-hmm. happy with where he's at i mean he's, we, we fly the 175 now which is an amazing airplane anybody that flies it will tell you that um you know he's base where he wants to be based and now he gets paid an incredible amount of money. It's he has no reason to leave. And there's a lot of people in his shoes that they would rather ha- live in base and keep their seniority than flow to American. At this point, flowing to American means taking a pay cut, believe it or not. <laughs> right, right, right. Not That's just, just amazing. A, not just a little pay cut, it's a big pay cut. You're talking about going from two hundred something dollars an hour back down to like 90. you know, ninety bucks an hour. Yeah, yeah, and as an FO and the bottom of the seniority list, and based probably not in DFW initially. Right. So it, it it is has dramatically changed just in a few years for the regional pilot. Yeah. So then take us to um, this whole idea of this new series. How did it come about? Pilot life with Christy, and you taking <laughs> us uh, to taking us along to your work. You pestering me to do it? No. Um, <laughs> yes, I did pester. So we we thought about it. Um, we thought about approaching Envoy, and I was like, yeah, sure, we can do that. But then I, like, didn't want to do that because yeah, so this you, is my career. You were, you were, to me, verbally saying, sure, sure, sure. But inside you were saying, no, no, no. I was very apprehensive because, like I said, I didn't know who to go to, who to talk to. It turns out, as it turns out, the company already knows who I am. Um, they've got me on the radar because they see our social media stuff. and But they don't have a problem with that. And, it, you know, when we finally started getting in contact with the right people, um, that's when I found out that I was on the radar, that <laughs> well, I had been okay. right. watched. It- to make sure that I wasn't saying anything negative about the company, which I never would, you know? Right. You're not going to jump. You're a very careful person. You're a very careful pilot. You know, I'm more of the fly by the seat of your pants, kind of, you know, fake it till you make it. But you are extremely careful. And Well, aviation is not your career. Aviation is, right. is and my that's the difference entire life, you and I. including my career. Yeah, it's your exactly. career. For me, it's um, something fun, fun way to get from um, video film shoot to video film shoot. And that I did pester you for probably a year. And then finally you gave me the name of somebody at Envoy in their social media marketing. And I reached out to that person and they were 
first of all, they wondered if I was like looking for money, you know, to like right, envoy to not. sponsor or something. But we were not. I just wanted permission to be able to do a day in the life of, of a, an, a regional pilot, you know, for Christie. And um, when they understood that, they were like, oh, yeah, um, they're pretty cool with it, which I came back to you and you were like, yay, but not really underneath. And I gave you camera, gave you a camera and showed you how to use it, all that kind of stuff. Then began a couple of months of pestering you for footage, which wasn't yes. coming. <laughs> so again, well, so I started at there's that a couple point, reasons oh, hang on, though. by the time I started to, at, it, it was by that point, I realized, okay, Christy's dragging her heels because she doesn't really want to do it. Right. No, you're, I mean, you're not wrong. I wanted to do it, but there's, there's a couple of reasons why I didn't. Number one, I was afraid to get in trouble. I didn't want to film something. I, I had zero guidelines on what to film. I was literally given a camera and said, here you go. And the social media team was like, yeah, sure. Go do, do film, you know, go film stuff. And I was like, okay. But I had no guidelines on what I was allowed to film, when I was allowed to film, like, it was, that was the first big thing. I didn't want to get in trouble. But the second thing, and the thing that I actually still struggle with is I'm taking on a dual role now when I take those cameras to work with me. I have to be cameraman and pilot. And to be honest, it's hard, especially yeah. when you are already running behind and you're you know sitting there and you, you're on a, a time-limited basis trying to get the airplane set up and ready to go. My first and foremost priority is I am pilot Christy. Right. I'm a pilot when I am in there. Okay. If we've got a lot of time or whatever else, then yeah, okay, I'll whip out the cameras and film some stuff. But I'm also, again, it's a, the other thing of not having guidelines of what to film. But we finally got, I finally got put in contact with right. Robert Neer. Okay. Yeah. Through. So let's talk about an, the cathartic moment. Story. The the moment that kind of changed it all was oh, that. Oh my gosh you got actually an email about an a video i did no oh, i got a phone call you got a phone call oh that's right it was a, me a voice it. message yeah we were in the studio remember you and i were right. in the studio getting ready to film like john denver or something or no it wasn't john no, it denver it was something else it was something else we yeah. were filming something yeah we filmed john denver way before we were getting ready to film something we were sitting in the studio and i just happened to glance at my phone and i went American Airlines, like who is calling me from AA? This is weird. I don't remember putting in an application to mainline, you know? Right. And then I listened to the voicemail and I think I turned about three sheets yeah, of you white. Did. It was I Robert could, Meter. Yeah, you could see your blood pressure just skyrocket. Yep. Right. Robert Meter is our director of flight operations at Envoy. <laughs> right. And he left me a 30 second email, or I mean, a 30 voicemail. second voicemail. And, and um, hang on just a second. So Robert Nieder, you, you said his title, but what does that effectively mean? What What is his he, position? He, he basically oversees all of the flight ops, all of flight operations, including like the chief pilot. And stuff. So he's so, I mean, over he's, the he's chief pilot. There. He's my boss's. Yes, he is my boss's boss. Right. Okay. So when I get a phone, when I get a phone call directly from my boss's boss with a voicemail, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. About a video that you did. Right, and right. he and so I was like, Oh my god. And so I called him back right away. I was like, I have to call him back. And we talked about that video. 
And um, he just wanted to ensure that we weren't going to say anything negative about the company and, and anything. And I was like, no, sir. I, and in fact, I wasn't going to touch that story with a 10 foot pole. Right. Because for reasons that you and I had already discussed, it wasn't appropriate for yeah, me to I do Yeah, I had so. to go and do all the research myself. I had to find out all the facts and everything. Yeah, you because, asked me and, questions and, the, and I, I was honest. I removed myself. Yeah, I completely and for the, removed myself for the listeners, it. what we're talking about is this, is a story that involved uh, an American Airlines Envoy flight that had a, uh, an incident. And so I did a news story on that, and I had to do all the research myself because I could not put Christy in the situation because, again, this is her livelihood. But, yeah, that's what was going on. Right. And you, and the thing is, you were so great. You 100% respected me. You were like, can I ask you these questions? I was like, man, I am not touching it with a 100-foot pole. I'm removing myself from that situation. And you were like, okay, fair enough. I mean, that, honestly, that is one thing that I love working about or love about working with you. Yeah. Peter called me. He just wants to make sure that everything's cool. Everything is more than cool because I'm not touching it. But since I had him on the phone, I was like, actually, since I saw you on the phone, I've been meaning to reach out to you. And I brought up the idea of the video, uh, you know, series. And he said, yeah, sure. In fact, he had worked with Swain Martin on doing Swain's videos for Envoy previously when, when Swain was still with Envoy. And so he already knew everything that we needed to do, everything that we needed to avoid. And I said, okay, well, can my producer and I like sit down with you? And we, we had a meeting literally the next week and he literally gave us the guidelines and everything and said, all right. And Dan was like, go film. And I said, oh shoot, now I have to do this for <laughs> right. real. Now you have to do this for real. I think what, yeah. what, what sticks so, out in my mind the most about that sit down meeting, it was a lunch. And I had been dieting. We went to Cheddar's, and oh my goodness, the honey croissants were just unbelievable. I remember just going, "Okay, oh I'm gonna, God. I'm gonna blow my diet." That's what I remember about that lunch. Yeah, I remember that. You know, I, I, I well, I remember that now. That was not what I took away from the lunch, but <laughs> yeah. But um, but the the more important so thing that we took away was that that Robert Nieder was uh, in favor of this, which set you at ease in an immense kind of way. It's, it's an understatement to say it set you at ease. Absolutely. It, well, and not only that, now I have, I have a reliable contact to go to if I need additional guidance as well. It yeah, wasn't what just, can you shoot? What can camera, you not go shoot? Film. Yeah. Exactly. Because my biggest fear was going and filming something and then coming back and being like, all right, guys, I, I did some filming. And they're like, hold on a second. That's not allowed. What are you doing? Well, I didn't know. You know, and I mean, let's get real. Like, things like that happen all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm not blind to that. It's really, really good, though, because there was one time I wanted to do something and I reached out to Robert Nieder and said, hey, I was thinking about this. Would this be allowed? He said that probably would not be a good idea. So I did not do that thing, you know, like in mm -hmm. terms of filming or whatever. You know, it's been really, really, really great to have that resource available. In fact, um, as people, viewers will see on our channel in the coming weeks, we were able to bring Robert onto In the Hangar and actually yes. do an episode with him about the regional then versus now. And that turned out to be a, one of my favorite episodes to film. Like, I got my boss's boss to come and sit down and talk about what things were like in olden days. Like, you know, how fun was that? But either way, it's been really great. 
the biggest challenge that I am facing now, though, doing this series is, as you will see, I am not natural. I'm not a natural cameraman. Right. That is not in my wheelhouse of things to do. So you give me these cameras and you're like, all right, and then you do this and you put the little flippy floppy thing and you plug this in and make sure it's good to go. Oh, and don't forget to make sure it's charged and this and that. And you got to put it up like this. And and I'm I'm 100% okay with you guys following me around with cameras. You know, I, I, I gave you a 20-step checklist like any good pilot could follow. You know, you, right? But this, this is not... <laughs> This is not something that is natural to me. So then all of a sudden, I put these, you're like, yeah, just put them up while you're driving. And I'm like, what do I say? What do I talk about? You're like, just talk about things that you would normally be thinking about. And I'm like, I'm normally thinking about traffic or my route to my destination today or this or that. You're like, good, just talk about it. And so you're going to see, it's it's ridiculous. I talk about I'm a hot mess on camera when I'm sitting there by myself having to do the cameras and everything on my own as well. It's, this is not natural to me. So I apply, and it's funny, Josh Flowers and I talked about it. He said, yeah, I sound like an idiot when I'm just talking to nobody. Yeah, that's how I felt too. So I'm realizing that it's definitely a refined skill that I'm just going to have to get better at. And you will. And, and, and I feel like, your first video, which is now up on our channel, um, it's, I think it's great. It's its authentic. It's genuine. It's who you are. You know, it, it, what's funny is at the end of that video, um, you are out of breath in your car at night leaving, <laughs> and you, you were upset about including that, like you being out of breath. But to me, that was like the perfect ending for a very busy day. Uh, then later you told me it was because you'd ran to the car to avoid a parking thing. And that's the kind of thing I think you should include. Like, what, what oh was my that gosh. story? Okay. So the, <laughs> okay. So when I filmed that day, I was just doing a turn. I explained in the video, instead of going out for a four day where I go park an employee parking and then I'm gone for four days and then I come back and, you know, take the employee bus and then go home. I decided to just pay for parking at the terminal because it would save me time. I was literally just doing a turn. We, we were doing it out and back to like Huntsville, Alabama and back. And I thought, okay, this will be a good opportunity for me to just get some video. It should be no problem. Well, a lot of things were happening that day. Number one, our inbound flight was late. So that was number one. So then we're rushing because we wanted to try to get the airplane back on time for the next crew to take it out. That's, there's a lot of considerations. We want to get the passengers to their destination on time. We want to get the airplane back on time. You know, we, we just, we're trying to be considerate to all involved. In addition to the company metrics and everything else, you know, with um, out times and whatnot. So I park at the, I, I went ahead and paid for parking in, in the terminal. If you're there for six hours or less, it's like a $10 fee. But if you go over six hours, that becomes a $27 fee because it's like six to 24 hours. Now you have to pay the day rate. So um, we were, we got back to DFW that night from Huntsville. They parked us all the way in the low Bravo terminal. I was parked in the high Bravo terminal. Mm -hmm. I had about 10 minutes to get to my car and get out the gate before on you were going to eat an extra 17 dollars yeah yeah basically right 
Um, and it's just, it's hilarious because we talk about, you know, we, all oh, the regional pilots just got all these raises. $17 is $17, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. And so, so I literally, I, my captain was like, all right, you're good. Run out. And that's why I didn't get any video of us getting out because I was in a rush, you know? Right. I was like, you know what? Let me just get there and I'll just hold the camera down. I'll, I already had the mount on the windshield, so I just plugged the camera in and was like, all right, let's go. Um, I had to warm my car up anyway because it was in, it was literally yeah it was during a real cold spell yeah. oh my god it was terrible and so I ran out of the terminal basically and I was so out of breath because I was like the fee the fee the, you know I, mean, I just kept thinking don't don't get the parking fee and I wanted to get a closeout before the battery on the camera died <laughs> right. there was a lot going on so. But well, anyway, I, and, and I made it. Why, the viewers will be happy to know that I made it with two minutes to spare. Oh, good. I made it out with just my ten dollars fee. Yeah. So, putting my director's hat on for a moment, I would say lean into that stuff on camera. You know, if oh, it's so you know, goofy. Yeah, no, but but let people know I'm running because I can say seventeen dollars. I mean, I think that would be awesome because it's what real life is like as an fo i as christy i think it's great to just get yeah. a glimpse into you know why you're doing what you're doing even if it seems pedantic to you um okay you know i think it's great anyway so director hat now off believe yeah. it or not we're already 33 <laughs> minutes in time flies i believe it these podcasts are a lot it of does. fun oh there's so much fun well it's you and i having a conversation and I just know you're recording it. That's really it. Yeah. We so, have conversations like this all the time. Right. Right. So, all right. Well, Christy, um, you know, it's, it's great having you on again. Uh, of course you're co-host, so that's a silly statement. But... I was going to say I'm the co-host. Dan, it's great having you on. Again. Yeah. Thank you, Christy. Um, I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, I, and uh, for all you guys, make sure you check out the new series on our taking off YouTube channel and, uh, you know, uh, we'll hopefully be having a lot more if I can keep talking and pressuring Christy into rolling camera oh and becoming my gosh. a camera person. Yeah. Just pardon my goofiness. I'm an, I, this is not, yeah, I am not a camera person. So. <laughs> All right. Well, drive, you know, you're riding, not driving. I just want to make sure that's clear. I'm riding. I'm Ride in the car. Safely. I'm in the passenger seat. Ride safely. Yeah. And um, how fun is that? Let me cue the music. Listen, there we go. Bye.